Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's headed to Lincoln this week. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who's flying out of LAX on Thursday. That would be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who's flying out of San Diego. Yep, that's me, Trey Newman. All right, this is a big week for the college football bros. We're, of course, flying to Nebraska to go to the Ohio State game. The whole family's going to be there, including Ryan and Trey's wives. And the announcer, Sarah, who, after this past weekend, is now my fiance. Yes, sir. Big news. Big news. Uh, So if you want to see what we're up to this weekend, I'm going to be documenting the trip in our Instagram stories at College Football Bros, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, But let's get into the week four recap. Wisconsin dominated Michigan 35 to 14, really was worse than that score would indicate. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 203 rushing yards, and Michigan's offense just did basically nothing. So let's start there. Let's start with Michigan. What does this loss mean for them? And I guess more importantly, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, this is a, it's pretty damaging, honestly, because up until this point, other than that one game against Ohio State last year where they just got blown out, they, there was no real thing that you could point to is for Harbaugh and be like, okay, that was just bad. Like, you, there's really no right. excuses there. This was, this is it. I mean, that's getting blown out, completely dominated by Wisconsin is just not a good look. I know Wisconsin's looking very very good but there's no way they should be destroyed by that like by a team like wisconsin so it's a it's a big blemish for harbaugh it's gonna make it all those doubters have a bigger voice now yeah and i would argue that this was more of a disturbing loss than that ohio state one i mean at at that one they ran into a buzzsaw in ohio state and we knew michigan was still a, a good team but this one just really confirmed our fears of of the first couple of weeks of the season, the way Michigan looked like this Josh Gaddis experiment, it's not working and they just, they got exposed. I mean, they're, they're still good, but they're not even anywhere close to playoff good. Yeah. And we, we had a, a listener on Twitter ask if we thought Jim Harbaugh would be Michigan's head coach next year. I'm going to still say yes to that. Um, but this is, yeah, like you guys said, definitely a damaging win, but I still think we have to take a little bit of a step back and remind ourselves that, he took over a program that had gone eight and five, seven and six, five and seven. And since then, there's only seven power five schools with a higher winning percentage than Michigan. That's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Georgia, and LSU. So those are all great programs. It's not a ton of shame being behind them. Obviously, you're you're not as good as you want to be right now. And he has done really bad in the big games. And so I I see the point of of all the doubters, but I, I still think he's their best option. Like I'm with you on that. I'm I'm not calling for his head or anything. It, it's just an alarming loss. But he's yeah. there's no way that they should be considering firing him at this point. I mean, he's got to lose. <laughs> they got to go like six and six or something for that to happen. But I don't. And that is that's not gonna happen. Hopefully not <laughs> for Michigan's sake. Yeah, likely not. They still have a pretty darn good defense. Okay, how about Wisconsin? Do you see them as a legit threat to make the playoff? I think you have to say yes to this one. I mean, they haven't lost and they already whooped up on one of the toughest teams they're going to play. And the West is kind of an easy road. I mean, who's going to beat them from the West? Iowa maybe could stand up. Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I hope, but it they look like they have a good path. They look like they could maybe be the ones in the Big Ten that could give Ohio State a run for their money. I'm not quite sold on on playoff uh, threat yet. I mean, they're they're obviously way way better than we all thought, but I think Ohio State is still kind of the team head and shoulders above in in the conference. But but if they win at Ohio State, then then why not? But I just don't think that that Michigan team that they just beat was amazing and I'm just I'm not ready to anoint them I I'm leaning more towards Ryan's side I definitely think definitely think they're a threat um obviously like you try I'd make them an underdog right because Ohio State is yeah the Ohio State is there but but no I mean if if we flash forward to the end of the season and they split games with you know the lost at Ohio State swept the rest of it and beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title I wouldn't be shocked like it would be no that, that's a good point i wouldn't be shocked right all right next game we got texas against oklahoma state they won 36 to 30 what'd you see here trey well the stats in this game for every category couldn't be more even but texas was able to force Okie state to kick a few field goals and you know this game went exactly as we all expected when we previewed it uh, oklahoma state would be able to move the ball in the young texas defense and and they did they put almost put up almost 500 yards the problem for them was that Texas did the same and they came out on top. Yeah, I think the the biggest takeaway leaving this game is all the injuries that Texas suffered in the secondary. And so starting safety, Caden Stern's going to be out for a month. Starting corner, Jalen Green, out for a few weeks. Two more corners, Deshaun Jameson and uh, Josh Thompson got banged up. Well, Thompson is broke his foot, so he'll be out for a while. And already they were missing sophomore safeties, BJ Foster and DeMarvion Overshawn. And then on the other side of the ball, Colin Johnson didn't play in this game. So a lot of injuries going on right now. Michael, do and you, still have, uh, you still have eligibility? Uh, I don't, but oh. I, I don't think I would fare better than any of these guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, it's a tough situation. Yeah. I mean, and with OU coming up in three weeks, that's, yeah. that's what you got to keep your eye on. Yeah. That's obviously a huge concern, but I'm going to, look at it from a different point of view at least offensively they were able to get a ground game going outside of sam ellinger like keontae ingram rushed for over like 114 yards so i mean that's they need that they can't just have ellinger be everything for them on offense they need some some power from that uh, ground game all right moving on auburn won at texas a&m 28 to 20 and they're now 4-0 and I think they're kind of exactly what they thought we thought they were coming into this game. Great defensive team led by, of course, that defensive line. Derek Brown had a monster game. So he's a beast, man. No concerns there. But offensively, I think those limitations at some point are going to cost them. Malzahn has been sticking with Bo Nix. And why wouldn't he? They, they keep winning and the fans are optimistic about him. But I don't know. I'm just he's one of those guys where they say, you know, he gets it done when it counts, which to me just sounds like a guy that. Yeah. Right now is kind of mediocre, but has happened to yeah. make a, a he had a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was he's he's not great right now, but with that defense, they're they're going to be in just about every game. But I think he's going to have to improve if they have any chance of winning the West. So are you saying are you calling for Joey Gatewood? No, because I I trust um, Malzahn that Bo Nix must be the the better option. But but that is a good point though. I mean if if they get into a game where like against an Alabama or an LSU or the really tough teams on their schedule and the offense is struggling and they're down by a couple scores, maybe they finally will turn to Joey Gatewood. 
Yeah, that's the thing that I'm kind of seeing here, but that could potentially happen. But both these teams, they still have LSU, Bama, and Georgia left to go on their schedule. So it's like Texas A&M, they already have two losses. It's uh, This was kind of the one that you felt like they really got to try to get. Because, I mean, those other games are even tougher. Yep. So was, this was a big swing game. Auburn got it. Uh, big for them. But I do think that at some point we're going to see Jay- Gatewood. I, I do like Knicks. I think he's going to get better. But, I mean, so it's this has been four games in a row now where Bo hasn't really been firing on all cylinders. But but Malzahn, I think, was aware of that. He was creative in this game, and he didn't put it all on Knicks because actually Gatewood came in and, and threw a touchdown pass. So, yeah, true. so Malzahn's very aware. I like how creative Malzahn got. He ran some reverses. They ran that – they got that one long score but on that uh, run – uh, reverse from shorts. So overall, I think it was a, it's an impressive win going to college station and, and, and getting it. But yeah, there are some, some limitations with the offense. All right, let's get to the rapid. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. One more big one more game. game. Yeah. Sorry. Forgot Georgia getting a uh, <laughs> decent game. Yeah. Yeah. Big game. Uh, close win against Notre Dame, 23 to 17, closer than expected. So yeah. do you guys come away from this one feeling more positive about Notre Dame or negative about Georgia? I'm feeling more positive about Notre Dame. I don't think it was really Georgia playing poorly. I just thought Notre Dame stepped up and made things difficult on Georgia. Uh, their run defense was obviously better than we had seen so far this year. Um, and then their secondary was making those wide receivers for Georgia make such tough catches. You know, you got tough catches from Cager and Robertson and Fromm was just putting it in places where it was a 50-50 ball almost. Like the guys had to go up and get it. So Notre Dame I felt they really stepped up and you kind of thought maybe they were going to go away when it was like 20 to 10 uh, in the second half. You thought maybe Georgia was about to pull away, but Ian Book let a nice drive and put them right back in it. So I, I definitely feel more positive about Notre Dame. I'm with you, Ryan. I That defense really surprised me. I mean, they made it so hard on on Jake Fromm. Uh, they Georgia had to had to earn this one and and you could you could really feel the tension in the stadium and with with Kirby Smart, when the Irish got the ball back, you know, only down six, you you kind of thought, luck of the Irish here, like they have a chance yeah. to actually steal this one. Yeah, and they were only down six because Kirby Smart, fourth and less than one, when they were up twenty to ten, decided to to kick a forty three yard field goal instead of going for it. I thought with that O line, I just think fourth and one, you got to go for it. But up ten, especially, yeah, you could put it away pretty much. Yeah, they could have, but. Uh, ended up working out. And, you know, I agree with your guys' answer about feeling positive about Notre Dame. The one thing with Georgia is I think they need to, well, I guess they didn't need to because they won, but at some point they're going to need to air it out deep more with Jake Fromm because he was making really good throws in this game. They just didn't let him throw the the ball deep all that much. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fine for now. But once you're playing against Alabama, LSU, uh, well, I guess they don't have to play LSU this year, do they? But nope, they don't. Um, Maybe. Or Alabama. Well, yeah, well, they'll have to play one of them. Yeah, they'll <laughs> play one of them yeah, for sure. That's not for a while, so I guess they're fine for now. Yep. Uh, how about the rapid recaps, Ryan? Go ahead. All right. First one we have is uh, Houston and Tulane. This was uh, an insane, insane ending. Wow. Uh, game of the year so far. So the game was tied. Uh, uh, well, Tulane. Game, of, game of the year at that time, but I think uh, another game of the year yeah. on Saturday oh, night. Yeah. Could well, ar- could ar- you could argue. Late Saturday night. That was that's another good point. Okay. Well, anyways, 
crazy finish here. So Tulane had the ball on their own 29-yard line with 18 seconds left. So they're just, you know, they're going to line up, kneel, kneel, kneel to go into overtime. They get in the kneeling formation, but it was a trick play. The quarterback ended up handing it off to the the back that was right next to him, and he was running the, ran in the opposite direction. They gained like 20 yards. It wasn't like he went all the way. So there was 12 seconds left, and they had the ball around midfield. Somehow, quarterback McMillan completed a pass through like three uh, Houston defenders, and the guy just runs for a touchdown. But I, it was... Yeah, crazy scene there. That was nuts. And we'll talk about Houston, of course, uh, later in the episode with some oh, yeah. big news from Derek King. Yeah, really weird. Um, all right, moving on to uh, Michigan State at Northwestern. Boring game. Sparty dominated 31-10. to 10. Thanks, of course, to their great defense. But, I mean, Northwestern really does not look very good uh, offensively in particular. Hunter Johnson's just been a very big disappointment. Um, they're sitting at one and two right now, and they got at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, Ohio State, and Iowa in their next four games. So, I mean, it's it's looking rough. So, but they somehow have always managed to pull out some you, some you don't yeah, expect. I don't, but I'm not seeing it this year. Yeah, I'm not seeing it this year either. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no Clayton Thorson to somehow pull out a win. Um, all right, next game was UCF at Pitt. This is another pretty crazy game. Uh, Pitt had a, a big lead to start, but UCF stormed back, took the lead. Um, but on Pitt's last possession, they had the ball fourth and three from the four-yard line with like a minute left, down six, and they ran trick play. They ran the uh, the Nick Foles Philly special. Uh, it wasn't as smooth as the, the Eagles ran it, but it still worked. They got a touchdown and pulled off the upset of UCF. So, I mean, a week after not really being very aggressive, Narduzzi makes a big play here and uh got the, got the big win for Pitt. Yeah, huge win for them and unfortunately for UCF, they're done. That's it for them. They're done. You know, you lose to Pitt and you lose all your respect for the season from a lot of people. Yeah, no, they even they're, though that's not entirely fair, but they could make a new year six, but true. They're, you know. Anyways. Um all right, then you got uh Oregon at Stanford here. Uh another boring game. Stanford is kind of the same as Northwestern right now. They just got nothing on offense. There seems like they're kind of running out of the uh, the Jim Harbaugh juice there on the, on the farm. They lost twenty one to six, but that I gotta give credit to Oregon's D. They've looked good so far this year. Obviously good against Auburn, and then giving up single digits in their last three games. So Oregon Oregon's looking good. Uh, and then my last thing, we got a couple of second year head coaches here that are not really doing so hot. We got Chad Morris at Arkansas. Oh my God. Oh boy. They, they lost 31 to 24 as a 19 and a half point favorite to San Jose state. And oh. your, your quarterback that you wanted, Mike, Nick Starkle, <laughs> five picks. Wow. Is that bad? A, a, a modest five picks. <laughs> that was pretty the Spartans, rough. Hey, they got a good defense. Yeah, sure. Wrong Sparty. Um, yeah, so that's rough. And then this next game, you got a couple of second-year head coaches actually kind of going in opposite directions. You got Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee. They got dominated four, uh, 34 to three by Dan Mullen's Gators. So it is, uh, it's looking rough for some of those SEC coaches. Rock bottom for Rocky Top. Yeah. All right. My first game, USC beat number 10 Utah on Friday night, 30 to 23. Keaton Slovis went down with a concussion on the first drive. So, Third string quarterback Matt Fink came in and statistically had an amazing game, but I honestly wasn't all that impressed with him. I thought he was just kind of 
a lot of plays just hucking it up there and into coverage. It's like and the, the JT Daniels games. He just chucked it up. He did. I, I feel like USC's offense is. Well, with I guess so. And this this game, it worked out. Um, huge game for Michael Pittman, 232 yards receiving. Uh, but like, yeah, if, if Keaton Slovis is healthy, he's clearly the guy. Um, as for Utah, they just had too many penalties in this game. And of course, it didn't help. They lost Zach Moss to a shoulder injury. Cal got a big win at Ole Miss. Amazing game from Chase Garbers at quarterback. But Ole Miss kind of got screwed at the end a little bit on third and goal at the end of the game. They threw what looked maybe to be a touchdown pass, and the refs marked him short. Clearly merited a review. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the refs didn't review it, so the clock ran down, and Ole Miss barely got off a QB sneak with one second and got stuffed. So that was yeah, it. Yeah, they and, got screwed, man. And guys, just like we all thought before the season, Cal is the last unbeaten in the Pac-12. Wow. They're number like 15 in the country. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And what yet they're, are we living in? Yeah, they're a, a small favorite against Arizona State this upcoming weekend. So <laughs> see if they can survive again. At home, right? At home, yeah. Uh, SMU got a huge win at TCU 41 to 38 to get to 4 0 on the season. SMU got most of their yards through the air with Shane Bechel. TCU got everything on the ground with Darius Anderson. But the difference in the game, three TCU fumbles and a really weird halfback pass call on a fourth and one in the red zone by TCU that ended up in a sack. So rough loss for them. Yeah. And then Florida State won at home against Louisville in a half empty stadium or half full, depending on how you look at it. Probably half empty if you're a Florida State fan right yeah, now. Yeah, half empty, I would say. <laughs> they they almost blew a 21 nothing lead, but ended up getting a couple late touchdowns, won 35 to 24. Alex Hornibrook played in this one along Stud. with... Dud. Yeah, he was he was very good. James Blackman played well too, but yeah. he ended up going down with an injury. Um, he's day to day, so. But either way, even if he's healthy, it's definitely a, a quarterback battle right now, right? And then lastly, I have some ACC struggles, some more ACC struggles. Virginia, the one team that we thought was, you know, uh, pretty good after after Clemson, and maybe they still are, but they got outgained by Old Dominion and needed a comeback to win twenty eight seventeen. North Carolina lost at home to App State 34-31. And then finally, Miami only beat Central Michigan 17-12. to Not good. Yeah, not good. Yeah, that's just I was having an argument with this somebody actually this weekend about the, the quality of the ACC because he's a there. He's an FSU guy. And he was saying the like the ACC is like maybe the second best conference. Oh, well, what? <laughs> and oh I was just like, gosh. I can't argue with you, guy. Like, how am I supposed uh, yeah, to? Yeah, re- Can't do it. I mean, I like you, but you're dumb <laughs> you should have said dumb. that <laughs> oh man all right we've waited long enough trey we got to get to the biggest game yeah ucla wazoo this game wasn't supposed to be good uh if i told you that wazoo quarterback would throw nine touchdowns gordon that is would that surprise you yeah of course it would now if i told you he threw nine and lost you you wouldn't even think that's true ucla won 67 to 63 in the ultimate Pac-12 after dark game of all time, the Wazoo was up 49 to 17 in the third quarter before DTR and the Bruins just flipped a switch and went off. They scored 50 points in the second half after showing <laughs> no signs of life in the entire season up to that point. Washington State kept fumbling. UCLA kept scoring. I mean, it's a really tough, tough loss for Wazoo. And we'll see if it maybe jumpstarts the Bruins. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's if you told me that uh, UCLA was going to win the 
turnover battle, what was it, like 6-1 to one, and still barely win against Washington State, I'd be like, well, I'm not not necessarily going to change my mind about UCLA yet, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe motivationally, you're right. Maybe this could be the, the jump start. Next game, Washington at BYU. The Huskies just dominated BYU 45-19. to Jacob Eason had a great game. 24-28, 290, three scores. The defense really played well, even though they're really young. They had a fumble recovery for a touchdown and and were bringing constant pressure on, on Zach Wilson. Colorado at Arizona State. The Pac-12, I, honestly, I think it's the most unpredictable conference so far this season. You don't know what you're going to get. So Arizona State, they win at Michigan State. Then they come home and lose to Colorado, 34-31. Steven Montez played well, 337 and three scores. Um, that was impressive, especially considering the, the Buffs lost LaVisca Chenault to injury in this one. Jaden Daniels also played well, uh, probably his best game offensively, but a late field goal for Colorado was the difference. Next one, Kentucky at Mississippi State. Mississippi State won 28 to 13. Sawyer Smith really struggled in this one. He was 15 of 41. Uh, for Mississippi State, though, Kylan Hill, he had 120 yards and, and three scores on the ground. Garrett Schrader started for an injured Tommy Stevens, and, and he managed pretty well for a freshman and led Mississippi State in rushing, too. Uh, they're going to need the defense to keep keep playing well, though, um, as they have to go to Auburn on the Plains next week. And then finally, South Carolina at Missouri. This was a weird game. Missouri won 34-14, but the game really changed in the third quarter when Mizzou was up 10. The Gamecocks had a third and goal from the three-yard line, but Holinsky threw a 100-yard pick six. Oh. And there was another defensive score that happened by Mizzou that you really kind of have to see to believe. Holinsky's pass, it got deflected and went back to him, and his intention was to knock it down, so it was an incomplete pass, but he, he kind of caught it and threw it down, which created a fumble, and Missouri just picked it up and scored. <laughs> it was a really <laughs> weird play. Uh but Missouri really dominated statistically, so they deserve to win. And looking at Mizzou's schedule, they're three and one. They have a real good chance to be seven and one before going to Athens to face Georgia later in the year. Yeah, we were all high. Well, I mean, most of us were high on Mizzou for that reason. Their schedule set up, and we nobody expected them to lose to Wyoming. So we were no. kind of thinking, hey, I mean, maybe eight and zero before they go there, but. I know someone emailed us right before the season saying, "Hey, what's a what's a team that you see?" maybe a surprise team starting out like six and oh or seven and oh and i replied i'm one of the teams i don't remember the other ones but i said missouri was like my top one <laughs> and then they went and lost to wyoming i was like damn it <laughs> <laughs> good thing i didn't say that aloud on the podcast i just yeah. said it in an email but it's, hey, it was maybe they're back now yeah they are all right let's get to uh, some segments we've got some well just one piece of news here Derek king has decided to sit out the rest of the season red shirt and we thought at first that that meant he was going to transfer somewhere, but he's supposedly going to return back to, to Houston next year. It's so, so weird. It's just like, uh, well, we're not doing so well. So we're just going to give up and try again next year. Honestly, if you're a Houston fan, though, isn't that great? Like you're one in three no, right I, now. Honestly, that's I would I'd be glad. Yeah. Yeah. Because your your season, your your hopes and dreams for this year are kind of for the most part gone. Uh, or yeah. not looking good. So, and you've got a bunch of guys red shirting right now, or a bunch of guys sitting out for, um, that that transferred in. Yeah. So they got a ton. Try again in 2020. Yeah. And if I'm a Houston fan, if I'm a Houston fan, I love it. But 
if I'm a player on the team, it's just kind of yeah. like, oh, gosh, we're just kind of left hanging out, hung out to dry, you know? Yeah, not great. Yeah, especially like you say, Ryan, if you're a senior, that's it's unfortunate for them. <laughs> Tough way yeah. to go. Uh, Keith Corbin, a wide receiver for for Houston, a really good one, is is doing the same thing. So, yeah. I wonder if this is going to set a precedent, though. Like, if this is one of the unintended consequences of this redshirt role. Oh, you know, yeah. we'll, it'll be interesting. Good point. Yeah, I I got to be honest. I was when I heard the news that he was redshirting. I was, I mean, everyone was immediately thinking, "Oh my God, he's going to be the quarterback for Oklahoma next year." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that, I mean. I because I remember thinking that I even said it aloud when I was watching the uh, the Houston Oklahoma game. I was just thinking like, can you imagine if Derek King, Derek King was there? Was there was Oklahoma's quarterback? Yeah, that would just be insane. But although I'm starting to think I could be quarterback for Oklahoma and do really well, so. But yeah, Lincoln Riley would make it work. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Trey doesn't quite have the speed, but you know, <laughs> I got a great deep ball. I got a great deep ball. Uh. Top five, <laughs> uh, top five list. Ryan, you you have one for us this week. Yes, I do. Top five list here of uh, the my top five Heisman contenders th- so far this year. Not like who I think should win it right now if the season ended, but who I feel is in the best position to win it come the actual time. Okay, so you're projecting. You're projecting. Yeah, I'm projecting. These are the five who should have the best odds according to you. I guess then. Okay, fair. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, here we go. Numero Cinco. Uh, we have Joe Burrow from LSU. He's been on fire this year. Already got more touchdown passes than he had last year. So, oof, he's doing well. That's insane. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Uh, number four, you got Jonathan Taylor. Again, he's been unreal so far this year. And in limited duty against Michigan, Mike, he had... 200 yards he had 143 in the first quarter so insane you said duty duty <laughs> number three justin fields uh i hard to argue i mean ohio state's just been unreal so far he still hasn't thrown a pick as well so he's he's been awesome number two i have jalen hurts he's been about as efficient as you can possibly be uh no real need for explanation there number one i put to a Averaging well over 300 yards, 17 touchdowns, no picks. Uh, and Mike, he's actually increased his yards per attempt from last year. So he was already historically good on that. Now he's way, way better. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good list. Um, it It's going to be really unfortunate for Tua if Jalen Hurts continues at this rate and wins the Heisman because, <laughs> I, know. I mean, he if... if Tua would go down as like the best player never to win a Heisman. I feel like if if that happens, because last year I think he had he had one of the best years in college football history. It just so happened that Kyler Murray had maybe the best year yep. as a passer. So, um, yeah. But I guess my my big, biggest disagreement with your list would be having Joe Burrow fifth. I think he should be ahead of Jonathan Taylor. It's just so hard for a running back to to win it, especially for Wisconsin and. I mean, Joe Burrow, 80% completions, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, 12.3 yards per attempt, even more than Tua. So it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I agree with uh, Burrow. I guess if there was anybody off the list that I might include, it would be Justin Herbert. I just think I think Oregon is really good right now, and, and they're, I think they now have a really good chance to, to win the Pac-12, and if he does that, he'll be at least 
maybe in New York if if they do that. He's so. got to pick the stats up, though. He's kind of yeah. They're not quite explosive know, enough. But, I mean, but if they do go eleven, give him give him a whole give him a whole year. We'll see. Kind of crazy this though is, that no Trevor Lawrence, like nobody even mentioned him. I know it's just the the it, stats. He's so far behind right now. He is. He it's possible, but he'd really have to start. Plus, he's not going to really play anybody good. So, yeah, he's not going to have many marquee games. Yeah, it's almost a blessing in disguise if you're a Clemson fan because they're just. I think now they're just preserving him, right? Like it's he's out of the Heisman race, kind of. You could say so. Yeah, they don't have to worry about padding the stats. Like this last game, what did he throw? Like nine passes. So yeah, they just don't need it. Yeah, they don't need it. He'll he'll be fine come come playoff time. But yeah, and he can win it next year. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. So, but this is I don't know. Maybe it always looks like this early in the season, but I don't remember it looking like this. This is just one of the best Heisman races. I can remember. Yeah, like, you could make a case yeah. for a lot of guys. Yeah, that that top five you listed, Ryan. I mean, those are it's incredible. They're having insanely good years. Like it's mm-hmm. they are all very capable of winning the Heisman in any given year. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our week five picks. We will start with Virginia at Notre Dame. The Irish are favored eleven. Trey, what do you think? Man, Virginia must have been napping and looking ahead to this matchup because, like you mentioned, they were down seventeen nothing to Old Dominion before rallying and pulling this one, pulling that one out. So they haven't they haven't really looked overly impressive to me. And the other side, though, we're going to be all curious to see how the Irish bounce back after their tough loss at Georgia. You know, it was physical. They clearly went all out in that one. So Ian Book and and Notre Dame are going to have to be sharp because Virginia does have a good defense. So. That's that's going to be uh, an interesting thing to see. And the other side, though, for Virginia's offense, Bryce Perkins, he's, he hasn't really scared anyone this year offensively. He's going to have to pass the ball well if they want to upset the Irish. So I'm actually going to call for Notre Dame to bounce back at home and cover against the Cavs. Okay. Um, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm, I'm going with Virginia. I know they haven't looked all that impressive, especially last week, but you know, I think they they kind of woke up and they ended the game on a twenty eight nothing run. So that was a pretty darn good sequence to the to the end of the game there. And I I, I do think people kind of fear Bryce Perkins. He's a really good quarterback. Maybe they don't fear necessarily their offense as a whole. Uh, he's not the greatest passer, and they don't exactly have a great run game outside of Perkins. But he's he's electric. So I think he's going to be able to make enough plays against Notre Dame, who. I I think they're good, but they might be uh, running out of gas a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ryan. I've I've kind of been overreacting to too many teams this season. I thought UCF was a juggernaut after that Stanford game. They go and lose to Pitt. I thought Maryland was great after their first two games. They lost at Temple. UCLA I thought was total garbage, and maybe they still are, but yeah, they somehow beat Wazoo. Uh, so I'm just I'm not going to overreact to Virginia's you know lackluster first half against Old Dominion and Notre Dame's better than expected performance against Georgia. I'm going to take the the plus eleven. That just it seems like a lot of points for me, you know, with how good Virginia's defense is. So yeah, and it's not like Notre Dame's offense is some juggernaut. So right, okay. Uh, Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Pokes are favored four and a half. What do you see here, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, the Wildcats here are they're a surprising three and zero. Chris Kleiman's uh, recipe from North Dakota State's working well so far. They've got tough defense. They're grinding it out on the ground offensively. Skylar Thompson's been efficient, not necessarily 
asked to do too much. Hasn't thrown a pick yet, which is huge. They did have quite a few fumbles against Mississippi State, but they still won. Um, but they just haven't faced, you know, a, a good offense yet. So I'm interested to see how they're going to handle Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace. I mean, those guys are a load to stop. So I, I know their defense has been good, K State's, but we'll see what happens with Oklahoma State. I that's why I'm going to lean with the uh, the Pokes. Yep, I agree. I think that that Mississippi State game, you know, they didn't have to face Tommy Stevens. Well, well, at least a, a healthy. Tommy Stevens they, yeah, they got uh, yeah that's the key word yeah he was playing through that shoulder injury and then Garrett Trader came in and wasn't totally prepared so much tougher test here I'll, I'll take Oklahoma State I'm gonna go with the better defense and Kansas State uh, I like that they're coming in off of a bye week compared to Okie State who probably is a little disappointed after losing to Texas so Okie State might win but I'm gonna take K-State to cover Okay, next up, Mississippi State at Auburn. Auburn's favored 11. And speaking of Tommy Stevens, he's questionable here again with that shoulder injury. So if he's out, you'd assume Garrett Schrader yet again gets the start. And he looked a lot better last week against Kentucky, especially on the ground, like you said, Trey. I think he'll struggle against Auburn's defense, of course. I mean, very few quarterbacks wouldn't, especially if uh, if the D-line shuts down Kylan Hill in the running game, which they might. But I'm just not a believer in the Auburn offense blowing out anybody. So I I think they're, you know, they're gonna win a lot of a lot of games this year, Auburn, but probably a lot of close games. So I'm gonna make Mississippi State my lock. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of points. Well, he is a Captain Joe Moorhead, but still yep, that's not a surprise. I just think I like Mississippi State too, but mainly because they catch Auburn at as good of a time as they could. It's sandwiched between big games where they just want to add A&M, and next week they play at Florida. So I think Auburn's going to win, but I'm going to take the points with the Bulldogs. Yeah, I agree with you guys 100%. I don't think Auburn's going to blow out much of anybody. And Mississippi State, if they just get to like 14 points, it's, I don't know if Auburn's going to be able to score 26 to be able to, to, to win that. It seems like a lot for me. I, I'm leaning with uh, Mississippi State as well. Washington State at Utah. Utah's only favored five in this one. Opened up, I think, six and a half or seven. Uh, Trey, what do you think here? So there was a chance that college game day could have come to this game, but then Utah lost to USC's third-string quarterback, and then Wazoo blew a 32-point lead to UCLA. So that 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 ended that. But yeah. injury to watch is, is, like you mentioned, Michael Zach Moss. He went out in the the USC game with a shoulder injury and as we record this he's he's questionable Utah didn't handle SC's passing game all that well and we know the Cougs obviously aired out with Leach and and Gordon so I'm going to take them to cover yep I, I completely agree I think that's the way to negate the strength of this Utah team which is their defensive line is is the air raid and um you know you don't need to run the ball uh, to to be successful USC what had like 17 rushing yards against Utah and still won so i think Wazoo can do something similar and cover yeah that that uh that last game was very alarming for me for Utah i thought they were going to go into Los Angeles and handle USC pretty well uh but losing to the backup backup quarterback not not a good look so i'm also going to go with uh the Cougs Okay, next game, USC at Washington. Washington is favored 10, and no John Ross in this game, Ryan. So, oh, really? You're taking USC? And no, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, I, wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with UW. 
Um, if you're a fan of using common opponents to, to, to gauge how a game's going to go, then... I'm not. I know you're not, and I'm not really <laughs> either, <laughs> but... But go but on. You dub, you, if you do that, though, you dub, you would think, would open up a can of a whoop-ass on, on USC here <laughs> after okay. they destroyed BYU and USC lost at BYU. So just go by that. Easy game to predict. And I actually do see it going that way. I, I don't think... Uh, some of those Hail Mary type throws from Fink are going to end up so fortunate at UW with a great defense and a good secondary. So they're going to, they're going to challenge those receivers better. I like UW. I mean, regardless of what happens to Clay Helton after this year, I do think Graham Harrell has made himself some money and a potential, you know, head coaching gig with the way he's handled this quarterback play. I know USC is littered with talent at receiver, but it's still very impressive. Uh, But that being said, it's going to be a tough, tall task against this UW defense who's been tough against the past this year. And I've been I've been on USC all season long, but with Eason coming off his best game, this is the first week of the year I got to go against the Trojans and I'm going to take the Huskies. Yeah, I mean, against everyone but but Cal, Eason has been has been great and you can definitely excuse a bad performance against that Cal defense. Um and they've got a good running game too, Washington does, so I think they'll put up points against a, a USC defense that has a lot of individual stars. I mean, Talanoa Hufunga looked incredible last week, and they've got some studs on the D-line. But collectively, it just isn't a great defense. So um, I'm, I'm going to take Washington to cover as well. Although I will say, if Keaton Slovis starts, I think USC gets the backdoor cover. But if that concussion keeps him out, then uh, then yeah, definitely UW. All right. Moving on to... A, kind of a weakest big game of the weekend, but yeah, the bros are going to be there. Ohio State minus 17 and a half at Nebraska. This is where game day is going to be, of course. And, you know, last weekend, Nebraska more than doubled Illinois' total yardage, but only won 42-38 because they lost the turnover battle 4-1. to one, And it's what they do. It is. I was going to say, usually I say that's that's a fluke, but... For Nebraska, not so much. Turnovers have been an issue for like 10 years, it seems like. <laughs> yep. um, Adrian Martinez tied for first in the nation in fumbles after being second. Again. Yep, he was second in the nation last year. Um, before that, Taylor Martinez seemingly led the nation in fumbles every single year. So Maurice Washington being out with a concussion, potentially out for this game, is is a big concern. And the fact that Ohio State has murdered everyone is really the biggest concern they are just a juggernaut so i don't see nebraska's defense stopping ohio state and i see chase young in the ohio state defense forcing at least a few turnovers so give me ohio state i was gonna make it my lock when it was minus 16 and a half but going through that sort of key number of 17 kept me off of that yeah i I am getting so sick of all these turnovers for nebraska it's just it's so frustrating to watch Hey, at least we don't have Sparty's offense. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Ooh. I mean, okay. Are you going to take that? <laughs> He'll agree. Um, yeah, I wish I could go with go with my team here. I wish I could go with Nebraska, but I just I'm not seeing it, man. Uh, it, it, <laughs> they're going to run all over us. They're going to pass all over us, and we're going to turn the ball over. We'll just hand it to them. Our special teams is horrible. We don't have a kicker. He's still out, and who, there's no word on when he's coming back is our punting game. Our kicking game has been a joke lately. So it's in Ohio state's special teams are legit. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Ohio state as well. 
Yeah, I it's a clean sweep. I know the competition has been weak, but Ohio State's defense has dramatically improved from last year. They're only giving up 60 yards per game on the ground. You combine that with their offense averaging over 500 yards of offense and they get to play a black shirt defense that isn't all that great this year. It's just, it's just not a great recipe uh, for Nebraska success in this game. And looking at some of the computer ratings like Sagarin, they actually have Ohio State number two behind just behind Bama. So it's kind of surprising. But yeah, the, SP plus has them number two also. Yeah, uh, the atmosphere will be awesome, but I just don't see Nebraska competing in this one. So I got Ohio State as well. Oh, all right. Well, should be a fun trip, guys. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Lightning in a bottle. You never know. Yeah, you never. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It's 17 and a half point spread. It wouldn't be the, the craziest thing to ever happen. You know, so we'll see. No. Uh, honorable mentions. Trey, what, uh, what do you have here? All right. I'm going to start us off with three Friday games. First off, Duke at Virginia Tech. The Hokies are currently a three point favorite. These teams are they're very evenly matched and they both are coming in off of a bye week. Duke has dominated in their two easy easy games after Alabama, but the Hokies have really struggled all year. They lost at Boston College, then last week had to rally to beat Furman only by seven. Don't really like the quarterback play of Ryan Willis at this point. He's thrown four picks already. I like the dual threat ability of Duke quarterback Quentin Harris. I'm going to take the Blue Devils, and I'm going to make them my lock of the week. Then we're looking at Penn State at Maryland. The Nittany Lions are currently favored six and a half. Maryland was really humbled uh, and brought back to earth by Temple after their torrid start to the year. But Penn State, at the same time, didn't look all that great in their their home win against Pitt. While I think Penn State has a better defense, the Terps surprisingly don't have a have a terrible one. And considering Pitt was able to hold the Nittany Lions in check, I think Maryland's going to be able to do the same. So I'm going to take the points with Maryland. Arizona State at Cal. Cal's favored four and a half. Despite losing to Colorado, Jaden Daniels had his best game, lit it up. That should give him and the Sun Devils some confidence heading into Cal. And I just looked to the Michigan State game where ASU was able to scrap out a 10-7 win, and Cal and Michigan State are very similar. They have outstanding defenses and poor offenses. So I have a hard time giving points with Cal, so I'm going to take Arizona State. And yeah, it'll be a low-scoring game. Yeah. And speaking of Michigan State, we've got Indiana at Michigan State. The Spartans are currently favored by 14. Sparty's offense has really lived up to Michael's zigzag theory so far. It's been mm-hmm. bad, good, bad, good. But I think they're going to break the trend here against the Hoosiers, at least I think. They're, they're really tough to predict. Michael Penix, he's returning <laughs> to practice. <laughs> Penix, Penix. Come on. I just It's like this will never work. Oh, my gosh. I just cannot get that right. Michael Penix <laughs> is returning to practice this week. But uh, Tom Allen has said he's not certain he's actually going to play this upcoming weekend. I think Sparty got confidence by dominating at Northwestern. So I'm actually going to lay the points and take Michigan State. All right. My first game, Clemson minus 27 at North Carolina. Two straight losses for, for North Carolina after that kind of seemingly miraculous 2-0 start but still really like Sam Howell they've kept every game close against Sagarin's 11th toughest schedule of the season so far so I will say they get the cover not the win though not quite going that far no Iowa State minus two and a half at Baylor and Iowa State clearly is a defensive team this year but last week Brock Purdy 
broke Seneca Wallace's record for all-purpose yards in a game. I know it was against you all, Monroe. And Ryan, I know Hakeem Butler still isn't there. Yep. But I still like the offense. Tariq Milton might be emerging as that big play threat as a sophomore. He's averaging over 23 yards per catch. So I'll say they get the win at a Baylor team that's really playing their first big game of the season and didn't look good last week against Rice. Uh, Next game, Minnesota at Purdue. Purdue's favored one. Minnesota, 3-0. Of course, we've mentioned it before. All one-score games against not great teams. Uh, But Purdue is just dealing with so many injuries right now. The big one, of course, Elijah Sindelar with a concussion. We're not sure if he'll play. If Jack Plummer plays, obviously, that's a massive downgrade at quarterback. Um, They're also still playing without their best D lineman, Lorenzo Neal. Marcus Bailey, of course, their best linebacker out for the year. So they've also got two receivers that are hurt. It's just kind of a mess. I'll take Minnesota to win another close one. And then Ole Miss at Alabama. Alabama's favored 35 and a half. They, too, have a lot of injuries on the front seven. A few freshmen starting there, but with that offense. Who cares? Yeah, I know. It hasn't seemed to matter too much. Um, but Ole Miss looks to have a potential quarterback controversy. Matt Corral went down with a rib injury, and the true freshman, John Rice Plumley looked pretty dang good against a, a great Cal defense. So I'll say he gets the start and makes enough plays to cover. Okay. Which is not that many plays. No. Um, okay. I got Texas Tech in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's favored 27. Uh, you know, this game was already going to be a blowout, but then you take out Alan Bowman for Texas Tech, who's out with a pretty bad, what, was it a shoulder injury? I'm, I'm blanking here. Was that a shoulder injury? I think so. Yeah, Let me, I'll Google like it. Yeah, you can Google it. I'm kind of blanking on it. But anyways, he's out for at least a, like a month or so at least. So I let go you to cover the 27-point spread. And I'm actually going to make that my lock of the week. And yeah, it was a shoulder injury. All right. Good for me. Good for me. Okay. No, nobody's saying anything. Okay. I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I just said, uh, did you guys hear that? Something just played loudly on my computer, but I wasn't sure if you guys could hear that. No. No, I didn't hear it. Okay. It wasn't pornography. Don't worry. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. Uh, NC State. Uh, playing at FSU, Florida State's favored uh, four and a half. I, I, you know, and I can tell you exactly what's going to happen in this game. Okay, Florida State's going to jump out to an early lead. They're probably going to be up like twenty-one to seven or something, maybe twenty-one-three <laughs> at halftime. Yeah, NC State's going to come back, take mm-hmm. the lead late in the fourth, well, middle of the fourth quarter, and then I don't know. Then it's going to be anybody's game. It'll be a toss-up at the end. But I know the first three and a half quarters. That's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, third game, Northwestern at Wisconsin, who is favored 24. Did not think that game was going to be a 24-point spread before the year. Uh, taking the Badgers, Northwestern, they just have nothing going for them. Uh, they lost by 21 at home to Michigan State. So, I mean, I think Wisconsin's going to do a lot worse to them than, than that. And finally, I have uh, Georgia Tech at Temple. Are we going to talk about that game? Well, Man. there's a particular reason. I know Jeff Collins is going back home, going well, home, quote unquote. He back to his former coaching days at Temple. Uh, I think his former team here is going to get the win because they're favored nine and a half. And Georgia Tech is really bad. They lost to Citadel, so give me Temple. All right, good, good analysis there, right? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, uh, let's uh, let's move on to the questionable finish. 
right. As we mentioned, the bros will be at the Ohio State-Nebraska game this weekend. What would you be willing to give for a Nebraska win? Well, I would be willing uh, to give up drinking Coke for a year. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That is, it, this would be insane for Nebraska to win this wow. game. Wow. It's a long time. I could just drink Cherry Coke. <laughs> okay, that doesn't count. You can't do that. <laughs> that does not count. Uh, I'd be willing to go vegetarian, not for a year, but six months. I'd go vegetarian for six months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. I don't think I could do that. I would just have a bunch of uh, Impossible Burgers or whatever they call them. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's, that's tough. Wow. I would, uh, I would give up vacation days for a year. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's a good that's one. That's pretty big. Yeah. All right. After one of their worst losses in recent history, Michigan gets to take the field against Rutgers this weekend. Uh, by the way, against Art Sitkowski, new starter. Uh, what's an easy thing you like to do to get yourself back in a groove? Yeah. If I have a rough time, rough rough week at work, whatever it may be, just going to the driving range, kind of let loose, hit some balls. That's that's my escape. All right. For me, it's cleaning my apartment. Just always feel um, good after cleaning the apartment. Which you never do. I do it sometimes. Sometimes I do. Oh, okay. I encourage Sarah to. I watch her do it and say, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> it's a miracle she said yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. For me, it's kind of like Trey's, but my my sport of choosing is, is basketball. So I'll just go play some, some pickup basketball at the local gym and dominate those guys. I just feel so good about myself. Yep. Yep. You're a good shooter. Yeah, can do that. All right, let's move on to our upset special. You got to pick a seven plus point underdog to win outright. Last week, my Louisville pick didn't quite work out at FSU. This week, I'm going with Rice as an 11 and a half point home dog to Louisiana Tech. Rice is 0 4, but they've been competitive in a few of those games and competitive with our Army and last week against Baylor. And Louisiana Tech is the weakest 3 and 1 you'll ever see. So you never know. All right, I'm I'm coming off of a of a win here. I had Pitt. That was a good one against UCF. Nice, yeah. very nice. Yes, I will take that. Actually, you know, by the way, not to toot my own horn here, but my picks last week, I went nine and two against the spread, and one of my losses was Oklahoma State, which. If you bet it later in the week, they actually covered. So it could have been 10 and 1. But Wow. So on know. the podcast, that was your picks? On the podcast, I was 9 and 2 against the spread. We had someone ask us to keep track of our records. I We have not done that. Um, well, I can tell I you. Guess, I guess Trey will tell you when he does super well. <laughs> my, locks, my locks are 4 and 1 against the spread this year. I'll tell Ooh. you that. So I'm, I'm doing all right. Now I'm going to lose weeks. every game this week. But uh, There's only been four weeks, Trey. How <laughs> no, can you be 4 and 1? Week 0. Oh, oh, week zero. I had the U. Shoot. Okay, I think my locks are two and three. I've been thinking they were two and two this whole time. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. All right. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna go with UCLA plus seven and a half. Maybe that second half of that game against Wazoo, they morphed into this new team and they kind of carry it forward. Arizona's not a world beater. Uh, this game, you know, UCLA Arizona. This could be another great Pac-12 after dark game. Um, I'm not going to talk about my picks. They, yeah, I'm just—they've been pretty rough. Okay. <laughs> it's been pretty bad, bad start to the year for me. But I'll, I'm just—I'll make my comeback. Um, so I'm going to take Maryland here. They're getting seven uh, against um, Penn State. Maybe Maryland get catches their mojo back here. All right, that'll do it for the questionable finish. But we have to get to some five star reviews. We got four new ones this weekend, so. 
get us started here, Ryan. Yeah, you always do this to me. Um, oh my, I always what? Go to the next line on our outline? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I'm ready. Okay. okay. Spartan Fan 173. Amazing podcast with great insight into the game. I love that this podcast covers all corners of college football from the SEC to the MAC. I listen to this on my way to class every time they drop a new episode and anxiously wait for the next one. Even though my season looks bleak as an MSU fan, they, the never-ending content these guys release makes college football more enjoyable. Go green. I like it when I hear the listeners say they listen on their way to class. Like, we're just some old guys and we got some, some cool kids listening to us. Yeah, we're in with the young crowd. Yeah. We still got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kenny Texas changed his review to make another prediction. His prediction was TCU 42, SMU 13, go frogs. He should have quit while he was ahead. Yeah, you got to quit while you're ahead. You predicted the Purdue game very well (laughs) last week, but uh, ouch, SMU (laughs) obviously pulled that one out. Yeah. Um, Trey, there was some really loud pornography coming out of your computer during that answer. I'll edit it out, but sure. I thought I that too. You guys are, what are you guys <laughs> doing to me? This is that's not true. <laughs> uh, next review comes from Indianapolis Revolution. He says, Ugh, as an IU fan, I torture myself weekly by listening to this podcast, hearing in depth analysis about the best teams in the nation while thinking that my team is just above an FCS team is just awful. However, I do not think that I could self wallow while listening to any other podcast. Thanks, guys. Wow, really brightened my day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, Indiana, what they're like, I, I think three and one or two, something like yeah, that. Three They've and only one. got one loss. I think three and one. Yeah, and you got Phoenix at quarterback, so come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> they kind of start three and one all the time, but then Big Ten play comes and it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right, this one's from Rach Amicha. Uh, finally, a college football podcast that is so well-rounded uh, and doesn't fall into what seems to be the national narrative of focusing mostly on one conference because it's the best. Uh, cough, cough, you know what I mean, SEC. Every time I listen, I think I get the best weekly and current picture of what's going on in college football. Keep it up, bros. Love. A Big Ten homer. And as always, go blue. P.S. Consider this a 4.99 star rating due to your preseason comments on ranch dressing. I like ranch dressing just on normal salads. I don't like it that much. I stand by that. Oh, I like ranch. I'm I'm with it. Well, thanks for the five stars. Hey, and she loves us. No, that was a yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I think it's. I don't think literally, Ryan. Okay, it's just. Oh man. <laughs> sorry i know ouch i know you're a little short on love i'm sorry <laughs> uh let's close out the podcast with bruce it's been a while oh. i just i want to play oh, some boy. bruce yeah what any recommendations what, what what kind of bruce do you want um i don't care michael any bruce i got i got one that says tingly bruce i got one that says cushy bruce and then i got a butter soft bruce tingly okay You name it, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that leaves your tush feeling tingly. (laughs) (laughs) Never gets old, Bruce. Never gets old. Thanks a lot to Bruce Feldman. Uh, Thanks for those reviews, everybody. We really appreciate you continuing to send those in. 
Remember again to follow us on Instagram at College Football Bros so you can follow our trip this weekend and on Twitter at CFB Bros. And if you're not an Ohio State fan, send us some good vibes this weekend. We could, the Huskers could really use it. I'm sure we'll need it. Yep. And we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.